Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Good morning, everybody. This is Colleen Edwards-Chesley, and I am the founding director of Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast, and this is Pensacola Business Radio Women in Leadership by Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast. I think we're on probably, I think, episode number seven now, and I've got a wonderful guest in our studio with us today. I've got Autumn Beck Blackledge, and we are going to talk a little bit about her. But first, before that, I'd like to talk a little bit about the organization. If you haven't tuned into this series before, we do this twice a month, and it's basically a way to get some conversations started with women and also men in leadership just talking about the issues that are really important to uh, women when it comes to success. Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast was founded actually about 12 years ago. Our mission is to promote, advance, and improve women in business. And we do that in a number of different ways. One of those ways is through this monthly or, or twice a month leadership series on Pensacola Business Radio. And we also do monthly networking meetings. We meet in Pensacola on the first Friday of the month. We do that at the Gulf Coast Kids House. It's a free meeting for any women to come and attend, have fun, build contacts and connections with other local women in business, learn some educational information, and just get informed about everything that's going on in the community. It's a lot of fun, and we invite any woman to attend those meetings. Again, they are free, and they're on the first Friday of the month. We also meet in Gulf Breeze on the third Friday of the month. Same format, a little bit smaller of a meeting, but we do meet at uh, the Hampton Inn just over the Gulf Breeze Bridge. These next two months for November and December, we're actually doing a holiday social. They kind of fall right before the holidays. So it's just a time for us to better connect with our PWGC members and have a more of a casual, a little bit more of an intimate type of lunch. Same type of format, though. We do share education information. We connect with other women that are in business. And we're just a resource for women to come together and grow and learn from each other. So many a times, it's just beneficial to put women in the same room together. I have a theory that women do network differently than in a room with a mixed audience. So sometimes when you put just women together, you get more information or different types of information and definitely different types of connections are made. Another way that we do promote the organization is through our Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast magazine. You can pick those up. We have several different locations in town where you can pick them up. Bodacious Olive is one of them. We also have distribution here at Pensacola Business Radio. So if you want to come to the building on Garden Street and pick up a copy there. We also give out copies at Storage King on Highway 98 at Fairfield and also at the Butcher Shop on Fairfield. And then our last distribution location is Springdale Travel down on Garden Street. So you can pick up a copy at any of those locations. You can also pick up copies on at our monthly networking meetings. And we also have the magazine online as well. So you can go to our website. It's PowerfulWomenGulfCoast.com and you can access our magazine. You can also get information about our monthly networking meetings and anything else that we've got going on. That's kind of about um, the wrap of what we have for the rest of the year. We just, just finished up our conference. We do a conference on the third week of October every year, which is celebrated nationally as Women's Business Week. And so we just wrapped that up a couple weeks ago. Today is actually our uh, third week past the conference. So we are finishing all the totals and getting everything together, sending out all our thank you notes and 
connecting back with our sponsors and we're tallying up the money because we donate 80% of our conference proceeds back to Gulf Coast Kids House. It's a local organization here that helps support children that have either been uh, uh, violated as far as physical violence or sexual violence or any type of um, uncomfortable situation. They help bring all the community resources under one roof to help that child not only feel comfortable after what's happened, but also be able to communicate their story in a safe setting, which helps increase actually the prosecution rate. And it speeds up the time that it to go through this process. So a great community resource for us. So we are happy to be able to give back to Gulf Coast Kids House. On that note, also, we are trying to donate some more money for them this year. Our goal for the conference this year is to replace all of the conference room chairs that are at the Gulf Coast Kids House. If you've ever met in their conference room, they have a gorgeous conference room, but they have 50 chairs that are wooden. They don't have any cushion on them. They are heavy. They don't stack. They're very difficult to move. So the Gulf Coast Kids House has had those for about 10 years now, and they're still in good shape, but we'd like to replace those chairs for them. Something a little bit more comfortable, a little bit easier to move around, and definitely something that's stackable so that they have the opportunity to switch up that room in different ways. And on that note, we are doing a special, what we call a sponsor prize pack. We are selling tickets for this. And basically, for a donation of $25, you get entered to win all of the following. Um, They are all gift certificates. So these are, it's not a physical Uh, basket that you win or anything like that, but you get all of these gift certificates. We've got a $50 gift certificate from City Spree, Pensacola, a $60 gift certificate from Sugar Shack, Pensacola. If you've never been sugared, you need to look into what that is. Um, We also have a $75 package from 10th Avenue Hair Designs, which includes a brow wax, a pedicure, and a haircut. We've got an hour massage donated by Tranquil Moments Massage. We've got a $100 private or group dance instruction lesson by Dancecraft. We've got a special event full face makeup application, which is $100 donated by Weber and Weekly. So get fancied up for all these holiday parties that are about to be happening. We also have a $125 gift certificate from Elite Services Quality Clean, which will enable you to clean your carpets or clean your, do some mold cleaning or tile cleaning or drapery cleaning or upholstery upholstery cleaning, a lot of different services that they offer. And then also a $150 gift certificate from Hill Kelly Dodge for a full car detail. Autumn, you've got five children. I'm sure your car <laughs> could use a detail from time to time, right? <laughs> And we also have a donation from High Point Hotels. It's a two-night stay with breakfast at the Hilton Garden Inn. That's a $350 value. And then the last one is donated by our good friend Florence, who does private yoga lessons. And that is a three-hour private yoga lesson, $375 value. Mm -hmm. So the entire package is almost $1,500. Again, we are donating 80% of our profits to Gulf Coast Kids House from this drawing, in addition to everything that we're doing for the conference. So we're hoping this will push us over the edge to make sure we can replace all of those chairs in the conference room. And um, those tickets are available on our website. You can also get them at our regular monthly meeting. And we're doing the drawing in December on the 16th so that this is something that if you want to buy for Christmas, and get kind of all your Christmas shopping done. If you're the lucky recipient, then um, seems like you can make a lot of people in your in your family and friends 
very happy with this particular package. So if you're interested, give us a call. Hit us up on our website. You can find us on Facebook as well under Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast. And we'd love to have you help us with this donation to Gulf Coast Kids House. On that note, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest today. We've got um, Autumn Beck Blackledge, and I just knew you as Autumn Beck. So when did you get married? (laughs) We got married um, August of 2015, so it's not, it's only about a little bit over a year. So you're still newlyweds. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Autumn is somebody I've known for a few years now. And actually, I think we were trying to figure out exactly when we met, but it was in between your transition from a traditional law firm to your own private practice. That's right. Um, Somewhere around October, fall of 2014, I think. Good, good. It seemed like that was an interesting time, I'm sure, for you. It was a big leap of faith, you know, um, had taken several years out of the workforce when I was had small children and stayed at home. Then, you know, kind of started back in law practice here in Pensacola, but going from a firm and a steady income to doing it on your own was a, a big leap of faith. I'm glad I did it. It was the best decision I ever made. Absolutely. I know people that have made similar decisions, not in that particular industry, but under other industries. Were you one of those that kind of said, I wish I would have done it sooner after you finally did it? Wish I would have done it sooner. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about it for about a year before then. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, everything has to kind of come together at the right time. You know, the space and finances and everything else. And it did. It came together at the right time. But um, as far as the personal satisfaction I have of running my own business that I wish I had done a lot earlier. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm sure there is a lot of nerves and a lot of apprehension, especially like you said, you know, steady income, you've got young children. Yes. You know, that's a that's a big leap of faith. Absolutely. Yeah. At the time I was a single mom of the of three children. And so, you know, not having a steady income, wondering if I was going to be able to feed not only my children, but also my staff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was. But yeah. it worked out. It's been a, it's been a blessing. Well, and we want I want to talk about that because you've been tremendously successful. I know that um, recently we just finished up EntreCon, which was an amazing conference. I got to attend part of day two of EntreCon, and that's something that's put on by Studer Community Institute. But you are actually um, not only nominated for Entrepreneur, but you are one of the finalists for Entrepreneur, which is one of their Entrepreneur. Uh, awards that they gave out at EntreCon. Well, it was a surprise. You know, I got nominated for a couple of those awards and they asked for a, um, you know, to the re- responses to the um, award packet. And I thought, what in the world? Why am I even in this, the running for this? Um, and to be the finalist in that ca- category specifically, um, that was that was pretty amazing because, you know, I'm just a lawyer, at least in my head, you know, right. I'm just a lawyer. Right. And so to have somebody say that I was an entrepreneur, um, you know, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family and um, just the idea that somehow I fit in that category is very humbling. It was really a surprise. Absolutely. Well, it's a great honor. I want to congratulate you Thank on you. that. And I did get a chance to read. I think this is the actual submission that that was made for that category. And you've had some tremendous success. Even before you split off and started your own firm, you had been well-versed in a number of different areas of law. Yes. I didn't realize. Tell me a little bit about how you got started, why you got into being an attorney and and 
And then we'll get to kind of where you are today. Okay. Um, I've wanted to be an attorney as long as I can remember. Um, you know, probably about eight or nine years old, wanted to be a U.S. Supreme Court justice. And so that kind of is what I would tell people as I was a child and in high school and things like that, that I wanted to be a you know, Supreme Court justice. So it was natural for me to go to law school. After law school, um, well, actually during law school and during college, I had a chance to become involved in the political process. So I worked for the Republican Party of Florida as an intern. And there was a time where I thought that I might not actually practice law, but I might actually go full time into politics Um, and didn't do that much to my parents relief because they (laughs) really wanted me to go ahead and finish law school, which I did. Um, but I, I had some really cool experiences early on. And, you know, I got not only to intern at the Florida House, I worked for the Republican Party, but I also started um, my legal career, really, other than being a runner since I was 16 years old for law firms here in town. But my the first foray into the law was when I was working at the Florida Supreme Court as an extern. And I actually witnessed Bush v. Gore firsthand. Um, And, you know, it was it just hooked me. It was the perfect intersection of politics and law for me. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, I took a brief hiatus um, or worked at uh, Florida Chamber of Commerce as their PAC director and lobbyist and legislative counsel. Um, And then took a little break while I had children. And when I got back um, into practicing law, it was Bob Kerrigan here in town who gave me my first shot back in. And, um, you know, I wasn't looking for a job with him. Um, I just wanted to pick his brain. I actually was just mm-hmm. looking for a mentor. And he said, you know, I'll I'll help assimilate you back into this, into this. Wow. And so Bob Kerrigan was sort of instrumental in letting me fall back in love with law. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for, I worked at Kerrigan Estes Rankin and McLeod for a short period of time and really got my first trial practice training. Um, but after that, then went to McDonald Fleming and over the years have sort of developed into my niche, which is family law. Um, you know, I like people, I like clients a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, this particular area of law is a great way for me to have my hands in everything that I love. Um, one day as a family law attorney, you get to be a negotiator. One day you get to use your therapist skills. One day you're being creative. One day you get to write or you get to draft. And then another day you get to go to trial. I mean, for me, it's just the perfect blend of all of my skill sets and all of my interests. So that's wonderful. I didn't realize we had something in common. I was actually, when I was in the financial industry, I was um, an advocate for NAFA, which is the Association of Insurance and Financial yeah. Advisors. And I was on their state PAC uh, board. How about that? So a lot of people that don't know what PAC is, Political Action Committee. And to me, it's interesting because a lot of politics is asking for people's votes. But when you when you get into PAC, that's asking for people's money. money. too. <laughs> yeah. And that's really difficult because it's politics can be very interesting. It's it's I learned a, a lot it, during that experience. But when you when you have to put ask people to put money behind their their you know, passion and, and their, you know, admiration for something, then, you know, you really, you really extend your skills quite a lot. Right. And I mean, that isn't that one of the big benefits of having that background is that you can take that skill set of learning how to ask people for money mm-hmm. into your not-for-profits, your board mm-hmm. positions. You know, there's never a time where I won't ask somebody for a donation. Yeah. Uh, you know, we need to raise some money. I'm going to ask you if it's yeah. buying a ticket or I if it's going to say you just heard my pitch. <laughs> yeah. Or if it's, you know, I need $10,000. I mean, they mm-hmm. may give me a look like you are crazy that you've just mm-hmm. asked for that. But guess what? They're going to give me something. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, that's, you know, one of the skills that I really appreciate from working in politics is just learning how to raise money, earn money, fundraise. Yeah. And then, you know, the accountability that goes along with having someone donate that, you know, they expect a certain level mm-hmm. of um, of credibility and they want their money used where you say it's going to be used. And so yeah. um, it's just it that's been, you know, and I see that on the not for profit boards that I sit on now. And that's a that's a skill that I'm very appreciative that I got. Absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say that is as far as skill gaining, that's that's teaches you a tremendous amount um, because you have to be accountable because if somebody gives you money for something that you've told them that you're going to do or help help encourage and then it doesn't happen then you've got to go back to them because they will not let you forget it that's right so it's a lot of integrity it's a lot of credibility it's a lot of you know courage Um, so it does expand your skills quite a bit absolutely yeah so family law what do you love about family law well, as I mentioned, I love I love the diversity for myself personally. I love the diversity of the practice, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I love my clients. I like the idea and have really enjoyed having clients come in at the hardest time in their lives often, and they're confused. The legal process is, you know, it's not for amateurs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even a small thing can be a loophole or a glitch that you don't even realize that you're taking yourself into that. And so protecting them. But also kind of seeing the weight that my, you know, intervention into their case, into their situation, that that how that alleviates the stress on them um, and allows them to hopefully allows them to focus on what's most important. So if you have a, you know, a, a client who's going through a divorce and they're trying to gather, you know, financial papers and they're trying to figure out where is the money and what do I have and how am I going to live after this divorce? And am I going to have my children at least saying, you know, I got this you know, I, I'll fill out these forms. I'll go to court. I'll negotiate for you. You focus on what's most important. That's taking care of yourself during this difficult time and taking care of your children during this difficult time, mm-hmm. planning for your own future. And I'll do this stuff. This, these logistics are mine. I got mm-hmm. this. And watching the weight come off of people. You know, I had a client a, about a, a year and a half ago. She was a photographer. And I um, we started talking about photography, something I know nothing about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was very interested in one of the projects she was doing. And I said, I'd always thought about a project where I would take pictures of my client every time I saw them over the years or they would come in every week. And often I have clients who, especially the females, who are maybe overweight, very tired looking, mm-hmm. maybe too thin, depending on how their stress is manifesting, sure. um, you know, circles under their eyes, you know, not eating right, not exercising, not connected to their children, not passionate about their jobs, not passionate about anything and watching the transformation. You know, often by the end of a divorce, I will have a client who had been a little bit heavy to begin with and all of a sudden lost the weight just because she just felt better about herself. Or maybe Mm -hmm. she ate the cheeseburger. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, the divorce diet, I I can recognize people sometimes in town like, oh man, they might be having marital problems because they're sure, they sure are, you know, wasting away quickly. They need a cheeseburger Mm -hmm. and giving them the ability to feel Mm -hmm. okay about themselves and, you know, to, to appreciate themselves again, Mm -hmm. um, that transformation, um, you know, I, it's, it's it's touching it's sort of for me family law is sort of like walking through a death with somebody a birth with somebody you know um and people think that you know counselors and 
maybe funeral home directors, like how, how hard their careers must be. But it's very, uh, it's a privilege to walk through people with people through those difficult life events. And so that's kind of how I, you know, divorce can be hard. It can be sad and depressing and certainly sure. stressful. Um, but it, it's a privilege to walk through difficult times with people. Well, and I get from you, Autumn, that you are very much a relationship person. It's not just a, hey, I'm going to, you know, the facts only and, you know, I'm going to dot these I's and cross these T's. But it, I get from you that you're much more about the relationship. I'm much more about the relationship, but I'm also about the, the, um, you know, I'm very direct person. Mm-hmm. Um, my clients, most of my clients love that about me. Some of my clients have a hard time with it at first, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to tell them. I'm never going to tell them what they want to hear. I'm going to tell them what they need to hear, not only for their case, but also for their own mental health, for their children's health, for the family's health. Um, if they're doing something that we're going to, you know, that's not going to help them or is not beneficial, I don't mind telling them. And, um, you know, a, a lot of times that that can be difficult. You know, sure. yeah, definitely have situations where, you know, their their perspective is not correct. Their perspective is flawed. And right. so. You know, I'm not sure about other family law attorneys. It's a difficult job. Um, and I'm sure they all attempt to, you know, to help their clients. Um, mm-hmm. At least most of the ones I work with, we have a, a good network of family law attorneys in town. Sure. Um, but at the same time, you know, you have to have a, a good combination of knowing that you, what you say is going to be received. What you say, if, if it's not received, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay if you lose a client, if they don't receive the truth very well. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I may not be the person to tell everyone's story. That's okay mm-hmm. too. Um, but the people who trust me to tell their story, that it's a, it's a privilege and it's a work in progress, you know? Um, yeah. and it's, you're right. It is a relationship to me. You know, I know a lot about my clients, most of them, mm-hmm. some of them not as, you know, not everybody's going to be your best friend, right. but a lot of my clients at the end of the day would call me a friend, I think, and vice versa. Yeah. And that's and that's a huge thing. Like you said, that's that's a very traumatic event for people to go through. And and hopefully it's something that they don't you know repeat often. <laughs> but um, but I'm sure they look back on it and they look at you and say, wow, you know, I'm really glad she was there for me as an advocate and for, you know, and as an expert. I mean, like you said, sometimes people need to hear the hard truth right. and and sometimes their friends are not going to necessarily tell them, you know, you're you know, you're way out of line here. But as an attorney, you've got that ability that you can let them know, hey, you know, here's how here's how the situation is really happening or how it, you know, how how it really should be viewed as. Um, so they have the opportunity to have you as a friend and as an advocate, but then also as a resource and as as an expert. You know, you know, I always kind of there's a couple of family law attorneys in town and we're you know, we bat things off of each other and one of those attorneys said, you know, I, if I needed marriage counseling, I would go to a family law attorney, a divorce lawyer, you know, mm-hmm. because we are able to see it through such a different veil that if there's a problem, it would probably take us about one minute to identify it, yeah, tell you I what it imagine. is, and then send you out the, you know, out your, you know, out the road to go do what you need to do. Yep. Um, you know, and that, and it, you know, people have asked me before, what do I believe is one of my greatest successes? You know, my greatest successes is keeping families intact, keeping parents, even though they're divorced, able to communicate with each Mm -hmm. other and Mm co-parent, but also saving marriages. I have done that a couple of times. And, and those people who came to me thinking that they're about to have a nasty divorce. And I, and I send them out the door with, you're not ready for a divorce. This is what you should try. Mm -hmm. And I hear back, you know, a year or two later that they're still alive and kicking and happy that those are the biggest successes. 
Because yeah, I'm kidding. a I'm a softy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my favorite, my very favorite are prenups, you know, and people are coming mm-hmm. in wanting to get married and they're happy and they're all starry eyed. And I say, hey, look, you know, the success of your marriage can come down to how well you can communicate the difficult things. So let's talk about the hard stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and so. And I've always been a big advocate of prenups. I mean, my my background in financial services, which I don't do anymore, but a lot of it was to let people know that, you know, I sold life insurance and disability insurance, and it's not about expecting those things to happen. But in today's life, you've got to be prepared for both case scenarios. You've got to be prepared for the good and you've got to be prepared for the bad. You can't control the other person. No. You don't know what's going to happen. Somebody mm-hmm. can decide, uh, you know, people do change. People mm-hmm. do get addicted to drugs and addicted to alcohol. They do crazy things. Things mm-hmm. change. You cannot help, but you can plan mm-hmm. and you can predict and you can rewrite the rules in the way that you and your spouse think that they should be written. You know, there are some people who come to me and they say, I don't understand why my wife gets a portion of my retirement. I'm the one who works. And I said, well, the only reason, the only explanation I have for that is it's the law. And so if you don't like the law, then you can rewrite it mm-hmm. if you do a prenup. And mm-hmm. so that's the benefit is that you get to decide together with an, another like-minded person, right? you know, what the law of your marriage is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's really it, cool. And in a good space because you're not having problems. So right. that should be when you can actually get along with each other and make rational decisions <laughs> that you, you both agree on. At least you hope you're getting along. <laughs> right. You hope at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, there's uh, really big red flags coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you um, have a lot more clients that are females? Um, I don't know what my breakup right now is. Every once in a while, we'll tally that up and see. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I would say at, at one point in time, I probably had more men um, than females. Um, right now, I probably have, it might be a slightly more female. Um, but I don't, I don't market to either one. I mean, every mm-hmm. case is different. Sure. Um, you know, I would say my specialty, my niche is really child custody cases, mm-hmm. um, high conflict child case, custody cases, but I don't take many of those. Um, those are very emotionally draining for the person who is um, advocating. And so I can imagine I, I'm very careful about how many I take of those at one time. So at any given time, I might have one or two high conflict child ca- custody cases, mm-hmm. um, you know, a handfuls of normal divorce cases, and then a whole lot of just financial cases. You know, those are not as emotionally stressful. And so I try to keep the balance in my work um, less about the number of cases is more about how, you know, how difficult they might be, you know, kind of like red light, yellow light, green light. Right. And emotional involvement. Yeah, because I have to have, you know, I I say if I use all my mommy juice up when I'm at work, and I have five children who deserve to have my mommy juice. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if I have had a high, cho- you know, high conflict child case, you know, abuse allegations or something mm-hmm. like that. And I've advocated for, uh, you know, essentially a child or a parent representing that child all day. And my kid is complaining because we're out of chocolate milk. You know, I don't have the tolerance or the patience for them. Sure. And so and that's not fair for them, because in their world, thank- thankfully, in their world, you know, we don't have any chocolate milk or, hey, I need $5 and we don't have any cash in the house for, you know, Kona ice at school or something. That's mm-hmm. their world. And that's their reality. Mm-hmm. And so if I have worn out myself giving all of my mommy juice to all my clients all the time, I don't have enough for my children. And as much as I love my job and I'm very passionate about it and even the difficult days, 
I would still call a pleasure and a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, my, my kids are still more important. Absolutely. And so I have to have the juice for them. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. And that's good that you've got a good gauge on, on how that affects you. How are you able to leave stuff at work emotionally? Like you talked about, you deal with some, some tough cases and everything I'm sure you do is confidential. So how do you, how do you mentally make that break between not getting so emotionally into the baggage of of these things. I know we, I shared that that um, East Hill Academy is a school for children with autism. And and I have some really tough days. Um, I posted on Facebook this week that I literally got kicked in the shins. And I that never happened in my, my in my financial career. <laughs> it might have figuratively <laughs> happened. But no, literally this week I got beat up <laughs> severely by a child. And, you know, and, and but I still love and embrace that child. But how do you how do you compartmentalize that or how do you how do you not let that come home with you? That's a daily struggle. Is I mean, it? it is. I mean, some days are easier than others. I mean, some days when I'm looking at finances and I'm, you know, basically dividing pieces of pie or saying who's going to get a house, you know, mm-hmm. that's not that tough. I'm like, "Oh, you know, what y'all do? What'd you do today, mom?" "Oh, I was dividing up some, you know, some 401k's." Mm-hmm. You know, that's not, but you're right. If I've been to a hearing, it is, it's virtually impossible not to bring it home. But, you know, there's five children at home, my husband and two dogs. And, um, you know, we have a fairly large staff, um, at the office now. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of, of clients and my clients all know that I, you know, my kids are at home or, you know, that they might call me at home and I might be talking to them. And I say, Hey, look, I'm just letting you know, I'm in the car with my kids on the way to soccer. Just, mm-hmm. you know, need you to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's almost impossible. It's also the gift of my particular career is that family law problems really don't happen from nine to five. Right. Because everyone's at work and mm-hmm. at school and they're not together. Right. At 515, when everybody gets back together and you have a divorcing couple or there's a transfer of child custody or there's a mm-hmm. baseball game and somebody brought their new girlfriend or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that's when it all blows up. And sure. so... You know, my clients understand my work life, you know, work family balance and integration. Mm-hmm. My family understands it. And um, so although I don't, you know, unload every detail on them, you know, I don't hesitate to be real with them about well, I had a really tough day. And, you know, we were talking about things that, you know, are much bigger than the chocolate milk today, guys. And mm-hmm. so you're going to have to go talk to your dad about that yeah. or talk to your sibling about that, because mm-hmm. I really I'm sorry. I don't care about your chocolate milk tonight. Right. Where's wine? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And but that's reality. I mean, I love that you don't hide that from them. Can't that that you're open about that. And and at their ages, I don't know. Are they super young? We have a little bit older. Our oldest will be 17 in a couple weeks. Our next um, oldest. So that's Ashton. He's a Catholic. He's a junior. Our next oldest. That's Ireland. She is a seventh grader at EDS and she is 12. And then our this is where it kind of gets crazy because <laughs> when we have, when our next set, we kind of, the oldest is one set and then we have the next four and they will be all their stair steps. So we have seventh, sixth, fifth and fourth grade. Wow. Um, so we have Ireland, Ella, Briar and Covington, Cove for short. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all at EDS. So, you know, they all, to different extents, understand things. My, um, you know, our daughters have done some work at the office for me, you know, a little mm-hmm. copying here or there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we have them down there as often as possible. Yeah. And, um, 
I read that in the in the submission for the entrepreneur of the year. So between the staff members that you have, how many how many children? It was some. It was a. It was like a whole it was basketball like a whopping, team. Okay, so. Now, well, and this is kind of the joke in our office now is that if you know anybody who has fertility problems, just send them over to get a job with me. I'll put them to work and they'll be pregnant in a few weeks. Um, and, and it's true. So we have 17 children now represented, but two, wow. my new associate is pregnant with twins. And, oh um, and so that was her number. That was three and four or those are three and four for her. So all of us have, um, when those two babies are, are born, all of us have three or four children. Um, well, actually, Stephen only has two, but I think there's 17 children represented in our office at this wow, point. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> but like you said, you let them come to the office. Sure. They may come and do homework. They may come and do some, you know, small office tasks. And that that helps them understand, too, a lot about what you're what you do in your job. Right. Right. And so this summer, for example, we did the kids did an extreme lemonade stand. And, uh, you know, have a kitchen in the back. So they bought all their items. We, you know, talked about how, you know, there was a big debate in our family about lost leaders and should we buy boxes of candy for a dollar and then sell them for 50 cents. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was, it was, you know, heated discussion about how that doesn't work until you get to a certain number. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not Walmart. This was mm-hmm. our, you know, but, um, the kids made a $221 profit on wow. there. And so they sat up, you know, they sat out and they had extreme lemonade stand in the corner of Powell Fox and Intendencia. And while we were conducting business all day and, it was awesome. fun and it was great. And they learned something about, you know, and, and my clients get to see that, you know, I'm a mom, you know, I understand, mm-hmm. I understand your problems. I understand what you're talking about. You know, um, this isn't something foreign to me. And, you know, they you know, haven't had any of them down there answering the phone yet, but I can imagine <laughs> there'll be a couple of them who would be ready pretty soon. Absolutely. So, well, and that's great independence skills, but then they learn about business too. Right. They learn about how to run, you know, a small operation like a lemonade stand. That doesn't seem like a lot, but I'm sure they gained a tremendous amount of business skills by doing that. Yeah. I'm not sure where I read it that, um, it's been a while, but that, the first entrepreneurial experience that a child has, if it is successful, they are 10 times more likely to be entrepreneurs when they are older. And so if it's negative, then they aren't. So I was very focused on making sure that that first entrepreneurial experience was mm-hmm. successful. I mean, yeah. I, you know, we had, we had Facebook posted it. We had, you know, Hey, can you come and buy, you know, I had really, we had worked it for them so that it would be, and the key to it was, I said, it's one thing to have a lemonade stand and you have cash and change, Mm -hmm. but this is Powell Fox. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's walking around with 50 cents in their pocket. And so the kids took credit cards and Mm -hmm. that was the, we had a square reader attached Mm -hmm. to one of their, to one of the iPads and anybody who says, well, I don't have any cash. Oh, we take credit. And next thing you know, not only have you have a kid, a little kid who's trying to sell lemonade, but they take credit and you have no excuse for not buying that lemonade. Absolutely. I'm sure those those cups of lemonade were flying off the shelf. That is awesome. That's so cool. So tell me about some other things that you do, because I mean, bringing allowing children to come to your office is one way. And we talked earlier and I love it that that Peyton's here. Peyton's in the studio with us. He's not saying anything, but he's here. And I think that's really supportive that he's here to support you. That's your husband. And together you raise these five children. So how do you, what are some other ways that you guys work together to to balance or like I like to say, it's not necessarily work-life balance, but it's work-life integration. Well, we're, we're lucky in one way is that, you know, he's a professional firefighter. So his schedule, his work schedule is 24 hours on and 48 hours off. Mm. And so on the 24 hours when he's 
at the fire station, those can be very difficult days. I'm a single Mm -hmm. parent of five kids that day. Um, Five kids who are very busy. You know, Mm -hmm. there can be afternoons where there are five activities for three of the kids. I mean, you know, and they have to be at the same place and pick up at the exact same time. And so it really kind of takes more than we need drivers at this point more than, you know, more than anything else. And so when we are together, we are fully integrated in both. Peyton has an office at my office. He comes and he does his studying for, you know, various tests and he Mm -hmm. helps. He, you know, whatever he can do. If phones are ringing, he, you know, is happy to answer the phone. He was down there painting some, you know, smudges the other day. I mean, whatever it is to help us all, you know, seamlessly integrate from, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But then during the two days where he's home, you know, he can he can kind of take a little bit more of the lead in the afternoons. Okay, well, if he's home on a Monday, then that's a great day for me to set a final hearing because I know it's an all-day final hearing, but that's okay because I have Peyton is there to pick up. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it. Um, you know, and so we do. We, we do a lot. The scheduling is the key for our life, you know, having good scheduling. You know, my yeah. paralegal Meredith, um, only schedules final hearings or long mediations when she knows he's home from the fire station. Um, unless she specifically says, Hey, I have to schedule this on a day when he's not there. Are you going to be able to get coverage? Mm-hmm. Um, we also outsource as much as we can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we have a housekeeper. We have, um, you know, we have a, a kind of a part time, um, tutor nanny type person that's mm-hmm. actually starting on Monday. You know, we we had a gap to fill and we were never getting to the point where we actually had meaningful conversations with our children because we were mm-hmm. just like UPS logistics operators. Right, right. And so, you know, I'm a big believer in outsourcing as much as mm-hmm. as much as possible. Now, if I loved driving in the car back and forth, I would 100 percent do it. Mm-hmm. But because it's not my particular gifting or my passion, mm-hmm. I'm fine to let someone else help with that so that I can have a conversation about politics or um, you know, something else, something that's going on at school with the kids. Right. Um, and then, you know, with five and with Peyton also just trying to find time that we can have one-on-one time is, is key. Peyton oh, yeah. and I take a lot of time, just the two of us. We're very, uh, very good about that. And that would be the one, you know, marriage tip I have from being a divorce lawyer is you can't not spend time with your spouse and expect yeah. to be close to your spouse. Yeah. You have to spend time. And mm-hmm. so, we try to spend as much time as possible. You know, we mm-hmm. we're free. We, you know, we're kind of regulars at Iron. We're up at the bar on a Sunday night in our you know sweatpants and you know having a drink so that we can talk and mm-hmm. you know just as often as we can get away. And our kids are a little older, so we can say, "Hey, we're gonna go." You know, we're gonna go have a glass of wine while you guys are doing homework, and we'll be back in thirty minutes or something. Right. So, right. um, but our calendaring is is key. Yeah. Scheduling, I can imagine, is like, like you said, UPS, you know, station. It's, it's you know, got to be amazing. How do you do that? Do you guys use a, a an online yeah. calendar? So, well, so we are, my office is completely cloud-based, um, which is amazing because with 17 children represented at that firm, there, you know, many days of the week, there is going to be a sick child. Um, mm-hmm. There is going to be somebody who gets strep throat or, God forbid, gets a fever then the ibuprofen wore off at two o'clock and they have to leave daycare for 24 <laughs> hours, you know? Right. And, um, and so it's very important for us to have a completely integrated system. You can lock into our system from any computer. Um, and it's exactly the same as your screen, as your desktop at work. Awesome. We have no, we, we keep nothing local it. So, so no paper files. That not really. Is, 
I mean, I still love my paper every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, normally we don't print anything until we're actually going to a final hearing. Wow. Um, or an event, and you know, and then only what we need. And we don't keep it. Um, you know, we we try to you know streamline as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the our computing system has a our an Outlook calendar that can be you know updated. Peyton has an account, and then so that way all his calendar items go on the same. So we're all using one calendar. <laughs> we it. did have more than one calendar at one point and that was it was a legit because we were scheduling over each other yeah and then you know we had this well you schedule if it's going to be with your family i'll schedule if it's going to be with my family i'll schedule work and then you be in charge and that was also a disaster so now Mm -hmm. everybody's scheduling through through either the same calendar or even with meredith even our personal things sometimes are going through meredith because you know well can autumn do this is this going to be too tight for her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's that's key well and that transparency i'm sure helps out because then you're not wasting all this time asking somebody what are you doing on this day or what's going on you know and and even personal stuff i mean you've got to be kind of you know honest with the people you work with and i'm sure they know every detail of your life Uh, but you almost have to be like that because if you didn't then somebody wouldn't know you know oh that's my you know xyz Mm -hmm. appointment you know well Mm -hmm. i didn't know because it wasn't on your calendar that's right and and, uh, the calendaring you know a lot of people will say it may be a little bit rigid it probably is the area of the most rigidity for me because Mm -hmm. it's so important but that is how i make sure that the priorities in my life get Mm -hmm. the time that they deserve yeah so if i'm going to go spend time with my grandmother at azalea trace it just can't be. First of all, she's incredibly busy, so I'm not going to just be able to skirt in and, you know, hey, I'm here to see you. you know, she's mm-hmm. not going to have time for me either. But, you know, if I need to make sure that I have time on my calendar or else the logistics are going to eat up every minute of my day and I get to have no time for meaningful, you know, interactions. Mm-hmm. My dad and I have breakfast once a week on Thursdays, except for when he cancels on me because, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, we have breakfast once a week. You know, my mom and I try to have regular time with each other. Um, I have one of my children, um, my middle child, Briar, she wakes up in the morning on mornings that Peyton's at the fire station. She'll wake up at five in the morning to have coffee with me and watch politics on TV. Mm. And so she has carved out her own time. You know, if Mm. he's gone, I want her, I want his spot. Right. Um, And so, you know, making sure that we have time with each of them and the calendar allows us to do that and make our, you know, make time for our priorities. Absolutely. I'm a big advocate in calendaring and time blocking and and being honest with yourself, because if you don't put those expectations out there and you just expect that you're going to have time for all these different things, a lot of times it doesn't work out. And then you're constantly feeling bad or feeling guilty or, you know, yeah, I'm supposed to do this, but I'm just too busy. Mm -hmm. And, and that's unfortunate because time flies, time flies. And, you know, and and, and I'm sure it is frustrating for people every once in a while when they're saying, well, what can you guys, can y'all come over on Saturday night? Or can we do Mm -hmm. this this weekend? And we're like, we've, we've had Friday and Saturday night booked for uh, two months, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, even if it's Friday and Saturday night, we're not doing anything Friday and Saturday night. Then we've booked it for ourselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I'm sure it does get frustrating and it doesn't seem very spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's just the reality of a busy, uh, uh, you know, busy. And it does allow us to have time, you know, um, between Peyton's board activities and his job, my board activities and my job and the kids. Uh, you know, we can't be everywhere at the same time. And, right. Um, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Does it help you say no to things too? Oh yeah. 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 It's blocked. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I leave the office at three in the afternoons on days when Peyton's not at home. He mm-hmm. picks up the kids usually on, when he's home. But on days when I'm not at home or when he's not there, I pick up the kids at three o'clock. Even some days when he is, my, you know, my ending of my day is supposedly three. Mm-hmm. I work a long day on Wednesdays and my mom always has her, like her grandmother day with the kids. So I work a long day on Wednesdays, but three o'clock every other day. Mm-hmm. And that's my goal is to get out of there by three. I'm a morning person. So if I could get in the office at five, that would be great. I'd have, Mm -hmm. you know, three o'clock, I'm finished. I want to be home. And so that allows me to have my full time. Because if I was getting home at five or six or seven, I would constantly feel guilty. Everything works differently for different people. But for me, having the afternoon with the kids is very important. And Mm so, yeah, it is impossible to have complete, you know, um, know, boundaries. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to leave at three in the afternoon, there are going to be times when you have phone calls and that kind of stuff. But mostly, you know, mostly I get to have a, my I get to kind of have my cake and eat it, too, on on because of the flexibility of my type of call. Absolutely. What are some other requirements you have in your household? Like, do you guys eat dinner together every night or what are some other things that you, that are really important, like almost like rituals or or, you know, sacred, sacred things that you do as a family? Well, I mean, we try to have dinner together every mm-hmm. time we can. But now with this with practice schedules and things like that. You know, I have we have a swimmer, we have a soccer player, you know, the swimmer can't, she can't wait. Five minutes mm-hmm. after she gets home from swimming, she is starving and mm-hmm. she's just a set little 72 pound thing. So it's not like you can wait, uh, right. you know, oh, we're not going to have dinner until 730 tonight. You right. know? So we can all be together. Yeah, yeah. So we can all be together. So it's, it's just an artificial boundary. If we did that, it wouldn't be practical and it would cause more stress. So mm-hmm. that eating to dinner, dinner together it is a goal, but it's not, you know, a, a ritual per se. Mm-hmm. The main thing we do in our family is if we're together, we're together. So if there's a game you know, um, some of the games during the fall, we had, you know, between basketball, or I mean, between football, volleyball, soccer, we would have, there were days where we had 12 hours at Catholic high school between three different sports. And so, you know, kind of the, the under, you know, unwritten rule in our house is, if we're going, you're going, we're all mm-hmm. together. I don't care mm-hmm. if you're walking up and down the stands, getting mm-hmm. airheads and junk from the snack bar, but we're going to try to do it together right. as often as possible. Um, and then, you know, the other goals, everybody has to, they have to pick up from, pick up after themselves. You know, they, your maid does not live here. You're, mm-hmm. I am not your housekeeper. This is not a hotel. Right. Um, and so, you know, they are all expected to do what, what they're required to do to upkeep themselves. You know, if they run out of something, they run out of shampoo, they need to tell us, you know, that's not mm-hmm. my job to go check. You know, if they don't have it, they don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they'll, they'll live. And so, um, you know, I think one of the things we've been thinking about is kind of figuring out a way for them to actually, you know, order their own, you know, get on Amazon and figure out how to get their own shampoo to come and things oh like that. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if you want to unleash that. <laughs> I know. Right? But, <laughs> like the Amazon dot, you know. Like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, my husband's a huge Amazon Prime user and it's almost every day we have packages at the door. We it's do so every day. exciting. Yeah. Every day we it. do either at the office or at our house. And I mean, sometimes it's like, what is in that box? And you're like, oh, it's two, toilet paper. Yeah. Two right. extra large. Two. And one day, one Sunday, I felt so guilty because the little, um, the, the postal service guys like knocking on the door, dropping off a package. And it was a Sunday and I opened it up and it was something like toilet paper. I'm like, yeah. I, this poor guy got out yeah. of bed on a Sunday to deliver toilet paper to my lazy butt. Well, you know, it's funny though, because we get the same thing. We get deliveries on Sunday. Sunday, but you know that guy's getting paid that's right 
You know, right. and so he's probably happy. He's that's like, right. I don't care what you're getting, but I'm getting paid. <laughs> it's a right. lot of this package. That's right. That's right. I know. I can't wait for the drones to be able to bring the uh, Amazon packages. That apparently that's coming. So we love um, Walmart grocery pickup now. See, my Walmart doesn't do that. Well, you got to so go ashamed. to the Walmart. I, I mean, no, I hope public. I hope the new Publix in East Hill will do it. Yeah. This is, Publix in East Hill, please do grocery pickup. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, we never shopped at Walmart before for our groceries, but grocery pickup that's the key it's awesome yeah, there are a lot of people that talk about that so speaking of that that's a great time saving thing what other tips do you have for women that um maybe don't have five children or that you know don't have such a supportive spouse or you know or, or other things what are what are some other tips that that you see other women that you um friends of yours that that are also baby busy moms what are some other great tips that they do well i think the main thing is if you do have a supportive person you need to tell them what will be the best thing to support you. Um, so, you know, when when one of my staff, when they look like they're overwhelmed or someone say, well, what is the thing that he could do, your husband could do to take the pressure off? One of them said, I hate laundry. So, well, then you need to say very specifically, honey, it would really be the best thing ever if you took over laundry. I don't care how it gets done. I don't care when it gets done. I won't interfere in it getting done. But if you could just be in charge of that and be very specific. So if there is someone in your life that is, you know, if you are married, if they are, you know, if they do have a spouse, then they need to be very specific with that person. Mm -hmm. This is what I need from you. Can you do dinner three nights a week? Can you just be in charge of dinner? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, whatever it may be. You know, sometimes what women need the most is just to be able to vent Sometimes they just need to be able to be a girl, especially powerful women, mm-hmm. especially business women. You know, I don't want to be the boss at home at all. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of being the boss at home. I want to be pretty and mm-hmm. I want to be mommy and I want to be, you know, here comes the queen. She's home. And, right. you know, um, you know, I want to take a bath every once in a while. You know, I don't want to make all this. I definitely don't want to be the disciplinarian all the time because I've mm-hmm. done that all day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the best you know, the best gift for a powerful woman is not to expect her to be that way all the time. Um, you know, women are so unique and amazing is because they are very, you know, they are, they have many sides and many facets mm-hmm. and many sub personalities that, you know, some of them are more prevalent at some times and some of them are less prevalent. You know, if I have a bad day in court, you know, I, and, you know, I've, I've been, you know, in a business situation all day. The last thing I want to do is come home and have to make more decisions. I just want to be a girl sometimes. I remember talking to my dad not too long ago. And I said, Dad, I'm a girl. And he he just kind of looked at me like, what is she talking about? Because my dad raised me to be a man, even though I was a girl. Right. And um, I'm like, I'm a girl. Like, you could tell me I look pretty every once in a while. This Mm -hmm. is years ago. And he was like, oh, I can do that. I'm like, all right. So now, okay, when I see him at an event or I have breakfast with him, he's like, Oh, it looks like you get your hair cut or, you know, <laughs> yeah, I like that dress on you. You look real pretty. And so it, it, it's very, if you are very upfront with people about what you need, yeah. most people will try to meet your need. Sure. You know, do you think guys get confused because powerful women maybe not intimidate them, but, but, you know, as, as women, if, if we're business and we're family and we're doing all these other things. I can imagine that the guys are a little bit confused as to how sure. to handle us. You do. Absolutely. You Absolutely. And, and they don't know what role they are playing. Right. And so it is up to women to tell them that they, we need them still. You know, mm-hmm. there is a need. 
women can do pretty much anything nowadays mm-hmm. on their own. There is no doubt that women are educated and smart and powerful and capable. And, you know, women are fast. They're very good multitaskers. Mm-hmm. But there are still needs that have to be met in order to be a complete person. Women need to make sure that they tell the men around them that they have needs that can only be met by that particular man. There are needs that can only be met um, by having, you know, a significant other that tells you that and or the people around you, um, you know, and we need help. And so being able to accept that your wife or your spouse may be firing on all cylinders 80% of the time. But when you go in there and you see her crying, but and you're like, what in the world? Then that's your signal to be like, okay, now she needs a little pick me up. Now it's my turn. Um, you know, now I'm going to row the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of the time that, you know, the ideal scenario is that both people are rowing the boat most of the time. So that that way when, but when someone gets tired and women have a tendency, they burn out They're they're much less steady in their ability to keep all the plates spinning at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, men, they keep their plates spinning because, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they don't want as many plates spinning. Maybe they don't feel the pressure to have as many plates spinning. But women are able to keep them spinning until you throw the last one, then all of them fall. Mm-hmm. And so having a man who says, hey, all the plates fell today, <laughs> you know, and brushing it off, be like, all the plates fell, no big deal. Let's pick mm-hmm. them all. Let's go get new plates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to have that grace with the women in their lives and not feel intimidated by it. It, it certainly, it's got to be tough for, for men sometimes, yeah. you know. I can imagine because I think, I know the guys in my life and, and some of the, the men that I work with, a lot of times they just, they, they almost need that direction. Like that that intuitive skill worked when women had their place. You know, when we were the traditional housewife, mm-hmm. we did the laundry, we did the grocery shopping, we, you know, paid the bills and we raised the children. And that was our little spot. I think it was very easy for guys to understand how to play in that in mm-hmm. that arena. But now that women have crossed a lot of lines, like you just talked about, you know, sometimes you do the laundry, sometimes somebody else That's does right. the laundry. Sometimes you're raising the kids, sometimes Peyton's raising the kids. That's you know, right. you're you're flipping roles. You aren't traditional. You know, I'm going to do the female roles and he's going to do the male roles. And we're never going to change. Y'all are, it sounds like y'all are switching off all the time. So it's got to be completely confusing if somebody's not able to understand that flexibility. Even in our own family, you know, my, my youngest son opens doors. He even opens my car door for me when I'm driving, you know, Mm -hmm. and he, he'll rush to the door and I'm like, you need to open doors for girls. You Mm -hmm. need to, you should stand up at the, at the table when they come. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, our oldest son is like, I don't understand you want you want it to be you want to be treated the same, right? There's women's rights. Everybody's treated the same. So why would I open the door for you? Mm-hmm. And he and you can tell there is a, a a disconnect. I'm not exactly sure even how to explain that to him. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, why is it that that is still? Why aren't we opening doors for you? Well, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. But right. the, you, even in our own family, you can see that. Yeah. You know. And I agree. I think that younger generation it is more difficult because those lines have gotten you know completely blurred. What do you say as you're hiring new associates and I. I know you've expanded your firm, you know, tremendously. I want to congratulate you for Thank doing you. that. That's great success. But what do you tell the young women that come in and they want to be the, you know, they want to have your your place in the firm? What do you tell them as far as some of the keys um, to success and how to and how to handle this whole, you know, business, the different business world that we have today? Just to be themselves. 
you know, you don't have to, you don't have to be like men to be successful in a mm-hmm. quote unquote men's world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, in my opinion, the women who are the most successful are the ones who are very comfortable in their own skin, you know, that they can sit around, you know, I love the old guard. You know, I just love talking with, you know, m- some of my mentors that are, mm-hmm. you know, what, what can sound to say the old Pensacola, you know, yeah. um, Jim Reeves and Jim Cronley and my daddy and, you know, people like that. I love listening to that. I don't, I don't have to be like them to be able to gain knowledge. And I can just be a girl. I'm in a group of um, Irish politicians, charter masters, and they're all older guys, you know, McGuire and Jim Reeves and all that. When I walk into the room, they all stand when I, they all wait for me to order first. You know, and that's okay. I accept that. That would be odd if I walked into a, a table of millennials and they all, or a judge stood up because I, you know, he happens mm-hmm. to be a male and I happen to be a girl. That would be odd. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just teaching them that they can be themselves. They can be authentic. They can say they're tired. They can ask for help. And, you know, to use all of the gifting that God gave them when they were a female, you know, we have, you know, I think that women have greater ability to have intuition. Mm -hmm. I think that they, so we should use that. Does that mean that we're logical all the time? Maybe not. Maybe I am more emotional. You know, mm-hmm. somebody recently called me hysterical. And I was like, I, maybe I am hysterical. I think <laughs> people say that. Maybe I'm hysterical. I am hysterical. Okay, well, what, am, what do I do? You know, change that about myself and worry like, oh, I'm a girl who just got hysterical. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. I could do that. And then, yeah, probably, probably need to do it a little bit. But at the same time, like, that's me. That's, you know, that's who I am. And so you can love me or hate me, but I don't have to be like you. I don't have to go, you know, golfing or whatever you know watch the game or to to be in your men's club or your girls club right well and i believe i'm a big advocate that these times are changing and and it used to be that women did have to be more like men to be successful in business or to be taken seriously in business and i think now it is a little bit of a different a different thought a different mindset it's that that women are unique women are different and we don't have to be like you know, our male counterparts. And there's nothing wrong with our male counterparts. I honestly think the balance between the two mm-hmm. is beneficial. That that I don't think women should be more like men and I don't think men should be more That's like right. women. We're both equally have great traits and together we're able to do things um, in a different way. People laugh sometimes when, when I talk about powerful women of the Gulf Coast and they say, well, why is there not a powerful men of the Gulf Coast? Well, honestly, because they don't need it. <laughs> you know, it's not something that, that men, you know, struggle with. Men have kind of figured out how to be successful in business and, and they did that a long time ago. Women aren't in the same position. They're still learning how to mm-hmm. be successful and that and that there is a benefit to having women come together. And sometimes people think, well, you know, are you trying to say that men aren't doing it right? And I always say, no, it's about bringing women back up to the level where men are currently. You know, it's not about bringing men down or bringing, you know, any and saying anybody else is is not doing it correctly, but but just creating a level playing field. Right. I mean, when you talk, when you think about like if, if someone says, you know, well, we need to get people behind this, you know, okay, well, who are the powerful, who, who, who are the power people behind this? Mm-hmm. Well, those are going to be men. And then there might be a woman or two in there. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. The default is always, you know, and unfortunately we still are in a, in a day and age where if, if we have an issue in a traditionally, like if I have an issue at my school, if Peyton says something about it, he's going to get more leverage. If there's going to be, if a dad decides to say something about something at our school or something involving children or something involving, 
you know, whatever it is, you know, more in that traditional female role, Mm -hmm. they'll say something and it'll just be received in a way that is just so much better than a whiny Mm -hmm. mommy. And, and it is, it's still that, that aggravates me because, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, you know, it just aggravates me. Um, But you're right. It, it, It is getting, getting women so that they're almost equally represented in those, you know, I think about some of the power people in Pensacola, their wives are just as powerful as they are. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But when they say, well, who do we need behind this? Oh, we need this person. We need that person. But their wives are just as powerful. Yeah. They've been doing this behind the scenes and letting, yep. you know, so. Yeah, I always say that behind every powerful man is a strong woman. Absolutely. You know, because a lot of times and, and, and a lot of them will credit it. And we've been fortunate on our when our with our magazine. We haven't interviewed any men in our magazine, but there are so many men that are supportive. Last edition, it's not on this edition's magazine, but last edition, we put Quint Studer on the cover. And a couple of people asked us, well, why did you put Quint Studer on the cover? And the funny thing was, is that as I've interviewed all these different women and I asked them a lot of times, Who's a mentor for you? Who's somebody that's helped inspire you? His name has come up more often than anybody else in this town. He was, he was my mentor. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's exactly why we put him on the mm-hmm. cover because he's there to support women. He's not he's not somebody that's saying that that women aren't doing it right or, you know, or or they haven't figured it out. He's actually helping encourage and helping support the women in this area. Yeah. I mean, I love valuable. that love the adage, you know, behind every strong or every, every strong man is a strong woman, but behind mm-hmm. every strong woman is a confident man. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, if you don't have a confident man, you cannot be a strong woman. That's you true. you just cannot do it. Yeah. You will feel bad. You'll feel like you're emasculating him. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the stronger the woman, the, you know, more confident that man and, and probably more powerful as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like you said, you know, it's not necessarily powerful men or powerful women. It's actually powerful couples. Couples. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, very interesting. I didn't know we were going to get to that point, but that kind of almost goes back to summarize what you do in, in family law. Yeah, absolutely. It's creating unions and creating stronger partnerships between two, whether they decide to stay married or, or end up being divorced, but but creating those strong partnerships. That's right. And getting people ready for their next partnerships. They don't mm-hmm. do the same thing that they did on the first failed marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if someone doesn't deal with whatever it was that, you know, their part in the divorce. And, you know, I say that there are definitely two stories to, you know, two sides to every story, mm-hmm. maybe three sides. Um, but, you know, if those things are not dealt with in either, you know, emotionally or socially, they, they will be repeated. And then you will have Absolutely. another failed marriage and more children who are pulled apart, you know, and, and yeah. um you know, not do I'm an, I'm divorced. My ex-husband is here in town and he, you know, we, we've never really had a fight. And not too long ago, my oldest daughter said, I'm so glad that you and dad are friends. And I said, well, yeah, of course we are. We've been friends mm-hmm. for a long, long time. Right. And you know, that is, that is, if you can't stay married, that is the next best gift that you can give a child is for them not to see you fight. Absolutely. And it's reality in these days. I mean, you know, the reality is people don't stay married all the time. So, you know, what a horrible example to send to children is to tell them, well, we didn't stay married and we can't even be friends. That's right. I mean, that's, you know, that's not setting them up for reality for their future. Too. Heck no. And it, and, it, and it provides, a you know, a, a mechanism for them not to do well on their own. If you don't have a unified front with your ex-spouse, your child, they will play you. A hundred percent, they will play you. And then they have a mechanism, they have, you know, they have the canvas for painting, whatever it is that they mm-hmm. want to paint. 
And so if you can't stay married in a unified front in that, you have got to be unified in two different houses, at least the same, you know, goals or at least have baselines. I'm not going to talk bad about this person or I'm not going to say anything or we're going to talk about it or whatever it is. Or I trust you, you know. Yeah, you don't have to be BFFs. Right. You know, and and most of them probably aren't. That wouldn't be healthy. But um, but yeah, you've got to at least display that right, you know, that right look for the children. And that and and that's instilling those morals and values, because when they grow up, they're they're going to repeat that same behavior themselves as well. Yeah. If you can't stay in love, you need to stay in respect. Yes. That's a great way to put it. I love it. I love it. Well, on that, we're going to close it out. This has been awesome. I could sit here and talk to you probably all day <laughs> about too. this stuff. This has been great. Thank Autumn. you for thank, having me. Thank you for being here. I loved it. It's a great way to start a Veterans Day. Yes, exactly. Well, wonderful. Well, you've just been hearing from Autumn Beck Blackledge. She is a local attorney here. You can go to the uh, the uh, Pensacola Business Radio website and access the information on on connecting with her. Hopefully, you don't love to have clients, but it does happen. And and mm-hmm. so she practices a number of different areas in the family law area. I know that she does um, prenups. You do divorce. You do child custody, Adoptions. paternity, adoption, alimony, mm-hmm. uh, mediation as yeah. well. And sometimes, like she said, maybe she can um, give you some information that maybe you shouldn't even be considering divorce. That's right. Yeah. So great. I've enjoyed really having you today. So we would love to have you tune into our next broadcast. We will be back in a couple weeks for another edition of Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast, Women in Leadership through Pensacola Business Radio. Thank you again, Autumn, for being here. Thank you for having me. And any of our audience members that wants to access more information about our organization, you can visit our website. It's PowerfulWomenGulfCoast.com. You can also hit us up on Facebook. Powerful Women of the Gulf Coast is our Facebook um, name. And so you can find us there. We are also selling these opportunities to win a prize packet. This helps the Gulf Coast Kids House as we're donating 80% of the profits from this in addition to our conference proceeds to Gulf Coast Kids House. And we hope to be able to get enough money to get them some new chairs in their conference room. They desperately need it. Until next time, have a great rest of your day, everybody. And we look forward to hearing you again. Mm-hmm.